as I've mentioned uh, in the weeks leading up to today, we're taking a break from our series over corporate worship to celebrate Christmas, right? Because it's time to get in the Christmas spirit today. If you haven't gotten there already, right? surely you've been participating in all of the different activities this time of year. It's the most wonderful time of the year, right? Maybe? Sort of, kind of? I'd, uh, I'd say it's the most peculiar time of the year in some ways. Because it's that special time of year in which suddenly, at least momentarily, perhaps even magically, the entire world is okay with Christianity. Like just for, just for a moment in time, everybody's cool with Christian tradition and everybody's on board with getting in the Christmas spirit. And so we have Christmas decorations everywhere that pop up all over the place. We didn't even, we didn't even set these up. We didn't even decorate for our Christmas Eve uh, service today. It was already done because the entire culture celebrates Christmas by, with Christmas decorations. You know, from the, from the courthouse to your next door neighbor, there's Christmas decorations everywhere, regardless of who they are, what they believe, where they came from. We love Christmas decorations. I, I, I did a, a little digging here and found an article in the Wall Street Journal just to try to get an idea of how much money we spend on Christmas decorations, right? And the artificial tree industry is a $2 billion industry. That's with a B, billion. That's how much we like our Christmas decorations. That's why when you go into any Walmart this time of year, they, they literally change their entire lawn and garden section to Christmas decor. There was a company I read in the same article in the Wall Street Journal that projected this year alone they were going to sell $87 million worth of Christmas lights. Because <laughs> you got to get new Christmas lights all the time. One goes out, they all go out. you got to go get more. And everybody spends money on Christmas lights for their home, for their tree, for everywhere, their business, right? We'll, we'll, you know, to the tune of $87 million. Wow. We will decorate literally at all costs for Christmas. I mean, we like to complain about these billionaires and how they'll spend, um, you know, millions of dollars going to, to outer space rather than solve world hunger. And here we are spending $87 million on Christmas lights, right? Are we any different? I don't know. But we're trying to get in the Christmas spirit. That's so we got to do all of these things. This, it's just what you do. we got to get in the right mood. How do we do this? Well, we do it with Christmas decor, and we do it, with, of course, with Christmas music. Because if you want to get in the Christmas spirit, you need Mariah Carey's help doing that, right? I mean, you act like you hate that song, right? But when you're in the grocery store starting in seemingly the day after Halloween and all I want for Christmas is you comes on, right? You love it. You, you absolutely love it. I Googled it, and you know how much money she has made in royalties on that one song alone since its release? $60 million and counting. She has 60 million pieces of proof that you love that song despite saying how much you hate it. We love it. We love it and we utilize it to get in the Christmas spirit, right? A lot of Christmas spirit for us is about generosity and giving. We love to give gifts. In the Parman household yesterday, because we're traveling today, we had Christmas morning yesterday. So we got out of bed and and, you know, for the first time all year, Reese was the first one up. <laughs> it 
and he's, I, I roll over, and there he is. And it's the only day of the year he'll do that. But we were opening presents yesterday morning, and I love buying presents for people I love. I love it. I mean, it is one of my favorite things to do this time of year is give gifts to my family and watching the boys open up presents. It's always a joy. And so tomorrow morning, kiddos, it's on like Donkey Kong, right? You've been looking at those gifts all month long, and you get to open them up. Maybe some of you are going to dig into them right after service today. I don't know. But we can't wait. It's part of getting in the Christmas spirit. For a lot of us, it's togetherness. It's just getting the family together, getting friends and family together. And, and, and you know, we, we love to, to just um, spend time with our relatives that we don't get to see a lot of all year long. My bags are packed right now. We're going to hop in the car and head to Indiana, where we're from, and, and we got dinner and, you know, uh, six hours. <laughs> so we got to get there. And I uh, can't wait to just spend time with family this evening and start the festivities. It's part of getting in the, the Christmas spirit. Every time you watch all of these movies, togetherness is such a big theme, isn't it? We just watched The, the Grinch last night as, uh, before we went to bed. And so, right, you got to get, get everybody together. It's not, about the, it's not about the presents. It's about getting together with family. And if you learn that lesson, according to The Grinch... You can have all your presents back, and then it's really good, right? Because according to the Grinch, it actually is all about the presents. But that's another debate uh, for a later time. But we love this time of year. We love all of these activities. But what is the true Christmas spirit, right? What is, what is the true Christmas spirit in the biblical sense, and are we giving that enough time and thought this year as well? Because we kind of had two celebrations happening at the same time, right? We have this secularized version of Christmas that takes place, and let's just admit it, it's fun. It's fun, and it's a part of our society, and we, and we enjoy it. And then we have the true Christmas that takes place, and it means something to us. And we respond in a very specific way. We don't want to just participate in all of these activities and, and, and allow it to be void of worship. You know, there is a, there's a, there's a, a passage in the Old Testament in Isaiah that Jesus would quote whenever he was around people who did things under the banner of religion or did things under the banner of God, but it was void of worship. He would quote from Isaiah, and I'm quoting from Matthew 15 where this is recorded, but Jesus quotes Isaiah saying, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Isn't that the perfect verse to kind of sum up what's, what's uh, happening, this cultural phenomenon that we have with, with Christmas. We all are willing to, to you know, shout Christ in all of these lyrics and all of these songs and, and post it everywhere and have Christmas trees and, and have everything all around in every nook and cranny and corner in our, in our neighborhoods to celebrate with Christmas decor. But we know that's not all worship, right? We, we honor God in word and in deed and in a lot of these things, but our hearts are, are far from God, really, as a society. Isn't that true? And so I think that's the perfect verse to kind of summarize what, what happens with all this Christmas propaganda this time of year. But if we really want to get into the truest sense of the Christmas spirit, what, what's really helpful is opening up our Bibles and seeing how everyone responds to the birth of Jesus. When we see their response to the birth of Jesus, 
It gives us a sense and an understanding of how we should respond to the birth of Jesus. And so we're taking a mile-high view today. The Lowe family just read Luke chapter 2, 1 through 20 there, and I'm going to be referencing just before that in Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 42. And, and I just want to kind of take a, a scan, quick scan through that whole text just to look how people respond. The first response is in Luke 1, 42. We see the response of Elizabeth and Zechariah. Those are the parents of John the Baptist. We know that Mary goes to visit Elizabeth, her cousin. They're both pregnant, Elizabeth with John the Baptist, Mary with Jesus. And Elizabeth and Zechariah have this first response to, the, to, the, to, to Jesus being in this world. Elizabeth, it says, was filled with the Holy Spirit. Ooh, that gets my, captures my attention. She's filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women. And blessed is the fruit of your womb. We even see there in that, uh, just after that text, that John the Baptist, in the womb, leaped for joy because of Jesus being there. That's, that's their response. Because the, the truest response and the, the truest Christmas spirit there is, is praise and worship to God. Zechariah then prophesies just after that in verses 68 through 79. I'll read to you a snippet of it. He says, it says, and his father, that is the father of John the Baptist, uh, Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit, there it is again, and prophesied saying, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Then we get to see Mary's response that we literally just sang earlier. Her response is also praise to God. You see it in her song, and I'll read to you just the first line of it in verses uh, 46 through 55 is where you'll find this, but she says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. She's praising God. That's how she's responding to the presence of Jesus. She's praising God, worshiping him, because they're being saved. We see the angel's response in Luke chapter 2 that Jared just read to us, verses 13 through 14 there. They're, they're, they're saying to the shepherds, um, uh, uh, or, or glorifying God in front of the shepherds, rather, and it says, And suddenly there was an angel, with the angel was a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those whom he is pleased. They're praising God as a response to the presence of Jesus. Then we see the angels, they're talking to the shepherds, and so the shepherds respond. They, they see the angels, they go and find Mary and Joseph, and it says when they're dead, and the shepherds returned, glorifying God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. They witness the presence of Jesus, and they praise God, they glorify God. We're even, we even see a couple of more responses to Jesus just after that moment, if you keep going in Luke. You see a, a response of a man named Simeon. He doesn't get a lot of airtime. And you see a response of a, of a lady named Anna. So with Simeon, he's a, he's a man that's at the temple, and God has promised Simeon in those days, you're going to see the Christ before you die. And so he's hanging out in the temple every day just waiting and getting older and getting older, waiting for the Christ to arrive. So here comes Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus. They're making an offering of two turtle doves. That's why we sing that. And there Simeon is. It says that he's filled with the Holy Spirit. 
he's there and he notices Jesus, he takes him in his arms. And if I can turn to the right passage of Scripture, I'll read to you what he said. He says to God, Lord, now that you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. So there again, a response to the presence of Jesus in this world, praise and worship to God. We see Anna then, who is a prophetess, who's hanging out there in the temple. She sees Jesus, and her response, you see in verses 36 through 38, it says she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Of course, don't forget the wise, the wise men, right? When you read in Luke chapter 2, you don't see any of the magi, do we? You have to go to Matthew chapter 2 if you want to read about those guys. But even they, when they see this star and, and travel towards it, trying to find the Christ, they understand the spirit of the times. They understand the worship that is supposed to be attached to this encounter with the Christ. So when they go to Herod, they ask, the, they ask Herod this, King Herod, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it arose and have come to worship him, they said. And Herod says, hey, you know, if you find him, let me know. I'd like to go worship him too. We know that's false worship. He was trying to kill Jesus. But he understood what was going on there too. He at least understood what the proper response to Jesus should be. The appropriate response to the presence of Jesus in this world is praise and worship to God. If you want to get in the Christmas spirit, in the truest sense, in the biblical sense, it is worship to God. It is glorifying God because the presence of Jesus came into this world. God became flesh. and He put on flesh and dwelt among us. And he was a light in this world. And we celebrate that every year. It's why here in a moment we'll take those candles out and we'll, we'll, we'll hold that light up to symbolize that Jesus, the presence of Jesus, was a light in the darkness. And when we put our faith and trust in him and worship him, we too become a light in a dark world. And so we hold those candles up and we sing Silent Night to understand why we get to be that light. It's because Jesus is the light. And that is the truest sense of getting into the spirit of Christmas. So we're going to continue our service today with more praise and worship to God to glorify him for what he has done through his son. We're going to take communion, as we always do each and every Sunday. And it's such an important thing to do at Christmas time because Jesus came into this world to do something specific, to save us. He did that by living a sinless life, something you and I could never do. He never sinned. He, did, he, he accomplished our salvation through his death on the cross. He was sacrificed for the sins of the world. And so you and I, we take communion every Sunday to come back to that truth, and that's what makes us this light. That's what carries on this light in the darkness right now in our time. We, we take that bread, and we remember the sinless life lived for us. When we stand before God someday, it's not that I'm perfect. It's not that you're perfect. We're not acceptable to God based on anything we've done at all. It's Christ alone that saves us. So we, we take that bread to remember Jesus is righteous, and that's how I get to be righteous before God. 
We take that juice to remember the bloodshed on the cross. Our sins were punished. They were punished on Jesus, the once and for all sacrifice, the all-sufficient sacrifice. If I try to add to anything that Jesus has done, it means I don't believe he is all-sufficient. We take that communion to remember we don't have to add anything to that. Our faith and our hope is in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and as a result, we are that light continuing into that world today. So let's all stand. I'm going to pray, and we'll continue our praise and worship and take communion together as a church family. Lord, again, I thank you for this time to celebrate the incarnation. We couldn't do what it takes to be made right with you, Lord, so you entered time. You entered your creation that was fallen and broken and sinful, and you made us right with you. Help us to remember that light that we get to live with, that light of hope that we take with us into each and every day. And Lord, help us to truly be in the spirit of Christmas in the biblical sense today and cry out our praise and worship to you just as those uh, of your people did when you came into this world in Luke 2. And it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Mm -hmm.